still morning? Yeah, it's still morning. Good morning, good morning. Um, I have to tell you that a couple weeks ago, uh, my Mimi passed away, and we went to Oklahoma to do the celebration of life. And something about that red dirt, I don't know what it was. I've had this little tickle cough thing going on that won't go away. What are we doing? Hi, guys. Well, it wouldn't go away, and um, I don't want anybody to think I'm sick. I'm not sick. But Marcy was like, hey, let me give you this tea that I drink before I sing. And I really felt like what Marcy was trying to say is, we don't want you to preach today. We want you to sing for us. So as everybody runs out of the building, right? No, I'm not, I'm not going to sing. Don't worry. I am excited. I will say that it's always the greatest honor and privilege when Pastor Andy asks me to do this. I don't take it lightly, and I'm very excited to get to share with you guys today, but today we're going to do a little crowd participation interactive sermon, okay? Are we excited about that? We got three people excited, okay, all right. Welcome my friend, Joe, back, all right. So, let's try that again. Y'all welcome Joe, okay. (laughs) Sorry. Okay, um, six years ago when I came on staff at Lone Star, Joe and I worked in student ministry together, and one of the things that we did was Never get it right. Joe and PA do rad things. It was so dumb. Um, we would eat different things. And the, the one, basically, the whole gist was whoever doesn't throw up wins. It was awful. It's like, why do you do that? It gets teenagers. I don't know. It's weird. But nobody won. Nobody won. <laughs> there was no winners. But we decided. I, so I texted him this morning. I said, hey, can you help me with, like, sermon illustration for old time's sake and he was like real nervous because I think he thought we were going to like eat ranch drink ranch coke or whatever that was it was awful all right that's not happening nobody's going to throw up it's okay so when I was a little girl and I went to church camp seven years old they did this thing with us I'm sure you've done it before we're going to do it together today you make it rain and I'm not talking about, hey, make it rain. I'm talking about like it's, it's totally different. So Joe is our hype guy. He's going to help us out. So for this half, where, where are we going to start? Where are you going to cut it off, right? Okay, so where Joe's at, this whole half of the section, and I need everybody to participate. Please don't be a fun sucker. We're all going to play nice together. Um, this whole half, we're going to have you guys rub your hands together like that. Rub your hands together. There you go. Some of you are like, ooh, I should have used lotion this morning on my hands. Okay. You got it? All right. We'll come back to you. We've got the hand rubbers. Now, this half, where is it? Where is that? Okay. So, everybody up here, we're going to have you golf clap. Can you give us a little bit of a golf clap? There we go. There you, there you go. Y'all are good golf clappers. Last service, they were aggressive. I'm like, you're not welcome on a lot of golf courses. I know that. <laughs> and then this, let's back over here, this, this side, okay? We're going to do the, the leg pat. Show them, y'all see what Joe's doing? <laughs> there you go, show them. The leg pat, there you go. Okay, y'all practice, let me hear you. Okay, sounds good, sounds good. And then this half, we're gonna have you guys snap with both fingers. I can't snap, and I said earlier that if Pastor Randy was here, I would ask him, and he also couldn't snap. (laughs) So, (laughs) I love him with my whole heart, but we can't, yeah. Okay, so what we're going to do, we're going to do this together, but you wait till your section is called. Section one, section two, section three, section four, okay? And then just keep doing it. Don't stop. Are you ready? Okay, this is nobody's in danger. Know that you're safe. Okay, ready? Section one, go. All right, section two. Section three. And section four. Keep it going. Now close your eyes. I can't snap and close my eyes at the same time. You can. Just listen, listen. Wow. All right, you guys can stop. Give it up for Joe's wall. What's so amazing about, if you never did that as a kid, you missed out on your childhood. Like it, I used to think that was so cool. But the reality is we're all sitting there knowing we're doing this. But when you close your eyes and you just listen, for a split second, man, it sounded like it was raining. 
I thought about this for the first time in forever the other day. Phil and I were at this hole-in-the-wall restaurant, which, by the way, are always our favorite. And I think their air conditioning unit was about to die. But when it came on, it sounded like a thunderstorm started. And I was like, oh, wow, is it raining? And Phil was like, no, that was their AC. I was like, oh, okay. And it made me think of this. It made me think back to when we would make it sound like it was raining. And so first service, which is a smaller crowd, we did it. And it was almost like you could feel the temperature drop because you thought it was really raining. You're like, oh, I can't wait to get that pumpkin spice latte, you know. It's like, oh, this is great. But then when we open our eyes and we stop, we realize it's not real. Many of us, we've been praying hardcore for rain. That sound is a beautiful sound. That sound brings a lot of hope. Five, six months ago, for a lot of people after Harvey, that sound brought a lot of fear. That sound stirred up a lot of anxiety. And the reality is whether you were hopeful, excited, you were thinking that maybe this is some kind of weird like way to get a hold of God and he's like, that's what I've been waiting on. You know, that's not true. It's not biblical. Um, there, it, it stirred up all kinds of things, but at the end of it all, it wasn't real. It sounds amazing, but it's not real. Have you ever looked around and thought, what is happening? What is happening? Is this real? Is this real life? How did, how did we get here? When did all this happen? And we look at things, we're like, it sounds like, it looks like, where did this come from? How did this start? So just recently, because I've been consistently helping with the transition of student ministry and I'm still very connected with the students, and I, I think I always will be, I hope, you know. I, um, but I've got kids that they have been reaching out. I guess on TikTok, there's been this trend um, about the world ending September 23rd, 2023. And I get a text from several of them, one of them at like 3 in the morning. PA, is the world ending September 23rd? And I'm like, if you keep texting me at 3 in the morning, yours might. Like... <laughs> I'm like, no. But I remember as a kid, some of y'all might remember this, we didn't have TikTok, but we had those magazines at the grocery store by the register. That was our TikTok. The world's ending next week. We got, mom, we got some stuff to do. We, this guy says, you know, whatever. But what I noticed was there was genuine fear in these kids. And so as we're having conversation, I recognize something about myself. That this March will be, this coming March will be 25 years of full-time ministry for me. But I grew up, oh, thanks. I, y'all are really supposed to be more shocked that I'm that old. Like, you should be like, oh, my gosh, you know. But I realized that because I grew up in a hellfire brimstone type of church culture, they would scare us every week. It was always about hell and how quick you were going to get there. You know, it was just like, you're, it's like, oh, we had major altar calls. Whether you wanted to or not, you just were like, look, you're going to go to hell. So we, I think, not just me, and I'm going to own it. I'm going to own it as if it is just me, okay, because I'm responsible for my own actions. I don't mean to. I believe hell is a real place. I believe that Jesus is what rescues you from hell. I believe Jesus, anything apart from Jesus is hell, right? And so I, it's never that I don't, preach the truth about hell, but my heart has always been, let me teach you the truth about Jesus. Let me talk about his love and his mercy. And do you know that he sees you and he knows your name and he believes in you and he has a plan for you? Because I believe that if we focus on that, the rest takes care of itself. But at the same time, if I'm honest, just because you don't address the fearful things doesn't mean the fearful things go away. And I've seen that come up here recently with students who are like, I know God loves me. I know he has a plan for my life. But what is happening? And I had major conviction on the fact that, you know what? I used to be upset about how extreme they were over here. And not really realizing it, I've gone over here. So I decided, this was two weeks ago, that I was going to preach a message, not a turn and burn not a get right or get left. Not a, if you were to die tonight, do you know where you would spend eternity? But more of a, if you wake up tomorrow morning, do you know who holds your eternity? And what are you doing with that? It wasn't a super emotionally driven message. 
I talk to the kids about what they're seeing, what's scaring them, but how scripture says that in the last days, God will pour out his spirit on all flesh and what that looks like. And that as a kid at 13, at 18, they have a choice if they want to walk in the fullness of what God's doing right now or not. Mom and daddy can't make them. I can't make them. It's up to them. It was simple. And then I just said, if you need Jesus, we want to pray with you. We had 34 kids give their life to Christ two weeks ago. And it was amazing and it was exciting. But I realized that if this is happening with kids, what about us? Because the reality is if we're honest, we can look around, we can look at ourselves and we've got friends, we've got people in our churches, we've got people in this church that they see things on social media, they see things in the news, they're watching where society is going and they react in fear. They're like, we're building bomb shelters. We're gonna start getting all this food. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with you being prepared. I'm, that's between you and Jesus. But then we got people on the opposite end. They're like, I just hope Taylor Swift comes back to Houston. <laughs> and then they begin to fight about it on Facebook. Taylor Swift's the devil. Go get in your bomb shelter, you know? And you're like, whoa, whoa, calm down. And I think if, if everybody's honest, both are dealing with fear, they're just dealing with it different ways. Because when we see things, I've been on both sides of that. I mean, I'm not a Swifty. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not like, oh, yeah, Taylor Swift. I'm saying that I have had times where things have scared me and I've responded in great fear. I've also had th times when things have happened and I didn't know what to do, so I checked out. Let's focus on this. Let's look at this. Well, we're gonna paint this room. We're gonna do this. We're gonna take our mind off of what our mind needs to be on and I think that the Lord is calling his church to come back to center and I, this is not what I feel like the Lord has put in my heart to share with you guys today. Has not, this, is not, this is not a turn or burn. I don't wanna, I'm not going to scare anybody. That's not my heart. My heart is that we all recognize that God's calling us to use discernment. And what discernment is and where does that come from? And how do we operate in that? And if everything in this world is not going to get any better, the church sure needs to. The body of Christ Sure needs to. So I want, I want to look at, um, there's a verse, probably many of you have read it before. And it's, to me, it's one of those verses that's like information. Do you know what I'm talking about? But like, it's getting you to the point. It's just, this person did this and this was their kid. And so I've read this verse before and I never thought anything of it. Most people have never heard of four guys named Tola, Pua, Jashub, and Shimron. Some of y'all are like, I think that's a band I follow. It's not. It's not. But 1 Chronicles 7, 1 reads, the four sons of Ishkar were Tola, Hua, Jeshub, and Shimron. Other than that, there's really not a lot of information about these guys or their children. We know who their dad was, and Scripture names them by name. But what we find to be very interesting, if, if just a few chapters over is that these sons of Ishkar and their descendants exhibited what I believe is a character trait that the body of Christ, church leaders, home leaders, individual Christians, you, me, we need to exhibit. I believe it's so profound because you've got two scripture verses that talk about these guys and it has wrecked me over the past couple days. So I just want to share it with you. 1 Chronicles 12, verse 32. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. It says, from the tribe of Issachar, there was 200 leaders of the tribe with their relatives. All these men understood the signs of the times and they knew the best course for Israel to take. All these men understood the signs of the time and they knew the best course for Israel to take. They knew what was happening and how it pertained to them. And they knew, they understood their assignment. They didn't just go, wow, this is awful. They were like, wow, this is happening. 
this is what we do. And I just believe it's very interesting that nothing's ever said about them again. They're never brought up. It's not like there's this tribute to them in Matthew or in any of the Gospels. It's like the story of them that there are these guys that because of their obedience to understanding what was happening in culture, they also understood their responsibility with what was happening in culture. So today I want us to talk about what happens when we allow discernment to take the place of fear And instead of acknowledging culture and reacting, hear me, hear me, instead of reacting to culture, we respond to culture with an understanding of our purpose in culture. Are you with me today? Welcome to the rabbit trail of my brain the last few days, okay? So here we've got... This moment where you can say, well, that was, that was all the way back then. So let's look at the world around us now. Think about what we see on a day in, day out. We see violence. We see greed. Economic turmoil. Political unrest. Spiritual confusion. Sexual perversion. Need I go on? It's a mess. There are things right now on TV that six years ago, we would have all been upset about. We would have been, we'd have been flipping tables, calling congressmen, we'd have been doing all kinds of stuff. And now we're like, well, I don't know. It's just commercial, it'll pass, it'll be okay. Things that we used to wouldn't have been okay with. Listen, you spiritual, spiritual people, We're all guilty of this, right? Like we have allowed things to have a negative impact that we didn't realize. And not long ago, there's this guy named the Apostle Paul that wrote a letter to a young preacher by the name of Timothy. And I love the way it reads in the Amplified. That's how I'm gonna read it to you today. If you're like, hey, my Bible reads different, it's Amplified. I encourage you to go check it out again later. 2 Timothy 3, verses one through five. Here's what Paul says to young Timothy. He says, but understand this, that in the last days, dangerous times of great stress and trouble will come, difficult days that will be hard to bear. For people will be lovers of self, narcissistic, self-focused, lovers of money, impelled by greed, boastful, arrogant, revelers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, and profane. And they will be unloving, devoid of natural human affection, calloused and inhumane. Irreconcilable, malicious gossips, devoid of self-control, immoral, brutal, haters of good. Traitors, reckless, conceited, lovers of sensual pleasure rather than lovers of God. Get this, verse 5 holding to a form of outward godliness or religion, although they have denied its power, for their conduct nullifies their claim of faith. Let me read that one more time. (laughs) Holding to a form of outward godliness or religion, although they have denied its power, for their conduct nullifies their claim of faith. Avoid such people and keep far away from them. He's saying there are people that are, let me me put this into words for us, okay? There are people that are going to call themselves Christians, but everything about their life is not going to line up with that. Their words, the title in which they give themselves, is not displayed in the life that they live. They will have a form of godliness. I am a Christian. I attend such and such church. One translation says, but they deny its power. They're Christian by name, not by character. They're Christian by name, but not by lifestyle. And I think it's interesting that this was written all the way back in the New Testament. However, it's not much different. It sounds kind of familiar with where we're at as a nation, as a world. The description is not that far off. The sons of Issachar not only understood the signs of the times, they understood the assignment. They weren't like, wow, this is awful. Look at the gods that they're worshiping. Look at what they're doing. They understood what they had to do to make a difference. Chronicles reads that these leaders knew what their people should do. And it's important, y'all, to have discernment about the signs of times. 
But it's equally as important to know how to respond to the events happening around us. How do we respond? Listen, we all respond to things. Some of it's out of what we know. Some of it's out of fear. You ever responded to something out of fear? You don't believe me? Let some child hide under your bed at church camp and let them reach out and grab your foot in the middle of the night. <laughs> Tell me how godly you are in that moment. <laughs> Those kids are lucky they had teeth. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Have you ever ha responded out of just any kind of emotion? What about hunger? When Phil and I had been married like six months, we were getting ready for camp. We lived in Dallas-Fort Worth. I don't know. Y'all know Brahms? Brahms is a great place. They need to bring him down here. And I don't know what I thought. Everything was fine. He pulls into Brahms into the drive-thru and orders a milkshake and french fries. I was like, I thought we were going to dinner. He didn't even look at me. He just ordered it and just kept looking straight ahead. They give it to him. He hands it to me. He said, eat this. And I did. And then like 15 minutes later, he's like, are you going to talk normal now? I had been talking out of hunger. I was hangry. See, sometimes we react out of us, experience, emotion, instead of understanding the assignment and acting and reacting out of what we know is truth about God. There's a difference. There's a big difference. So what are we supposed to do with this? One of my best friends in the whole wide world, her mima, turns 100 on December 31st this year. I know. And she's a spitfire, let me tell you. And my favorite story about her ever, and this wasn't that long ago, she was making cookies for their VBS at her little church that she's at. Now, she is a very frugal shopper, and she always has been, so if she found something on sale, she'd buy a lot of it. Well, she's making these cookies with sugar that she bought from like the 30s. <laughs> and my friend was like, uh, Meemaw, that's old sugar. Do you think you should be using that? And you know what's so cool about Meemaw? Meemaw did not argue with her. She didn't tell her to get out of her kitchen. She didn't say, do you know who you're talking to? She said, she looked at her. She said, sugar doesn't expire. Look it up. And went right back to cooking. So she calls me, she's like, this happened. And you know what I did after I got off the phone? I looked it up. And guess what? Sugar doesn't expire. I don't know how everything in life expires. Lipstick expires, but sugar don't. So I, I was like, that is so amazing. And we're like, okay, so what are we supposed to do? Well, Meemaw said, look it up. Let's see what the word of God says. Isaiah 55, 6 and 7 says, seek the Lord while you can find him. Seek the Lord while you can find him. What does that mean? He's available to you now. Seek the Lord while you can find him. Call on him now while he is near. Let the wicked change their ways and banish the very thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord that he may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God for he will forgive generously. We have little control, y'all, of what's happening around us. The events, culture, society. But we can choose how we live and who we live for. Instead of turning to your own understanding. We do that, right? We say we don't, but we do. We're like, I've experienced this before. No. Instead of turning to your own understanding. Instead of going to social media or the news. Instead of going to see what others are saying, instead of going to our parents or our siblings or our friends, I think Meemaw kind of has it right. Instead of arguing with people because we're not sure, we should look it up. And based off this scripture, it's pretty simple. It's time we turn to the Lord. Let me say that one more time for the people in the back. It's time that we turn to the Lord. Well, not, I'm not talking about showing up on Sunday because that's what we do. I'm talking about when things are happening in our life, instead of reacting, we respond. Instead of fearing, we position ourselves in faith. It's time that we turn to the Lord to say, what are you doing? What are you saying? How do we do this? 
We need to experience revival, y'all. And I'm not talking about the old school revivals when that preacher would come in for three months and you'd have church for six hours every night. If you like that, go for it, man. Revival is not a church service. Revival is a posture of your heart. There ain't nothing wrong with a good church service. Don't get me wrong. But we need to have revival in our lives where we start realizing that the air we're sucking is not just about sucking air. There's a purpose in everything that we're doing. And if we're here, God has us here for a reason. It's time that we wake up. That we stop hoping that somebody will do something. That we recognize that scripture has set us up for this. Do y'all realize everything that we are facing in our nation, in our world, it's in the word. God wasn't like, oh man, I didn't see that coming or I'd have told you. Man, I missed that one. It's in there. He, we know. We need to seek God like never ha we have before. Like this is new levels. We need to seek God in a new way. And we can't afford to play church anymore. Look, I go to church every Sunday. I've been coming here since we were in the tent. Cool. I'm glad you're here. What about Monday through Saturday though, man? We need, like we need each other. We need each other. This, it's important that we come together and we, we build each other up, that we worship together, that we pray together. But y'all, if this is enough for you, that explains why we're in the shape we're in. We need, we need to be out there recognizing that every day we wake up, it's with purpose and it's on purpose, with purpose, for a purpose. God has a plan. And it's not about what's happening in the world. It's about what's happening in us. Okay? So, we're going to have hardships. And I think that that's only a shock to people who only look for scriptures that make them happy. Do you know what I'm talking about? Those scriptures that you uh, cross-stitch and put in the guest bathroom? I like that one. Put it right above the toilet paper, baby. That's nice. Oh, that's special. So our guests know how much we love God as they do what they need to do in the bathroom. <laughs> so we like those verses. We get them tattooed. We hang them in places. And we're like, oh, this is so wonderful. But you know what else is in that book? Scriptures about what's happening in our world. And the only reason you should be shocked about what's happening is because you're sticking with the toilet paper verses and not the verses about this. But I will tell you, some people want to talk about this and they forget about those ones that are encouraging me. We need both. I, I don't think we ever need to get back to, oh, hell, you know? But I think we got to go, man, if we could take the truth of the goodness of God and bring that to the place where they understand that without God, this is what you have. That'll change your life. That'll change the way you walk. It'll change the way you talk. Because when you see the goodness of God, despite the hardships, you recognize the only reason you're able to walk when others aren't able to walk, it's because God is faithful. And he wants you to walk because he wants people to see there's something different in you. What's happening in you? What is God? What is this God you talk about? You're like, let me show you. I'm glad you asked. Let me share with you how good and how faithful he has been in my life. God has given us, y'all, a heads up. Like he gave the sons of Issachar, we need to be aware of the signs of times, but we have to understand the assignment. We don't get to just sit by and go, man, I hope somebody does something with this. Back to the whole, there will be wars and rumors of wars. Matthew 24, 6 through 13, that's not one of those cross-stitch verses, by the way. Here's what it says. This one like makes people uncomfortable, but it's in the word. It says, and you will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nations will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world, but all of this only the first of birth pains with more to come. Then you'll be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You'll be hated all over the world because you are my followers. And many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and they will deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere. And the love of many will grow cold. But 
the one who endures to the end will be saved. And why are we shocked? Why are we shocked when we see churches opening up to the world to let the world dictate what the church should be doing? Why are we shocked when men want to put on dresses and read storybooks to kindergartners? Why are we shocked when kids talk back to their moms in public and you're like, you want to borrow my sandal? You want me to use my sandal? You want me to use both of them? Like, why is that? Like, why are we shocked? Why are we shocked to see people so far away from the truth and we find out that these are people that also call themselves Christians? Why are we shocked? Because the Bible says this is going to happen. And now listen, God has given us an assignment and he's given us an opportunity to reach the world around us. But I think it's important that you understand that it's going to become increasingly more difficult because the world is becoming increasingly more opposed to the gospel message. See, sometimes what we think is oppression and rejection, because we're in the United States, is like a Tuesday for somebody across the world. I can't believe they rejected me. I can't believe they were offended that I had on a Christian t-shirt. You know, people are dying for owning Bibles in other parts of the world. But this is America. Okay? You're right. And I'm thankful for this country. But last time I checked, we weren't God's chosen people. But we are part of God's chosen family. Are you following me? And if we get this mindset that we're supposed to be better and have more and be better off than the rest of the world, it's becoming, it's, it's unrealistic. The truth is, God gives you what he gives you so you can give away. If he gives you knowledge, if he gives you access to the word of God, then you need to be sharing the word of God. If he gives you access to good health, you need to be healthy and help other people get healthy. Like, I think we've got to understand we're kind of spoiled brats. We kind of have this entitlement. Bill and I have friends that live in other parts of the world that, man, like, we don't even get it. The things that they face, the stuff that they go through. God. His love, his sovereignty, and his word are real. He sees you. He knows your name. He is not shook by your past. He is real. He's awesome. And his love is bigger than anything you can imagine. But also, the enemy, his attack, his schemes, and hell are real. You can't have a savior if there's not something you need to be saved from. You can't have redemption if there's not something you need to be redeemed from. You can't have goodness without bad. Please hear me on this. Like, I'm I'm being totally real. I love to focus on the goodness of God. But the realness is this. When God's moving in your life, So is the enemy. So if you're sitting here and you're like, you have no idea, crazy lady, the kind of attack we've been under, I will tell you this. There's always an attack when there's something worth fighting for. And if the enemy's messing with your marriage, if he's messing with your children, if he's messing with your finances, if he's messing with your health, it's because you are a threat, my friend, to what he's trying to do. It's that easy. This isn't a name it and claim it. This is truth. He hates you. He hates the call of God on your life. Just recently, in the last several months, Phil and I have been able to step out into some things that have been in our heart for a long time. And we had the amazing support. When we went to Pastor Randy and Pastor Darla and told them we felt like this is where God was calling us, they were like, we love you, we're your church, and we're going to remain your church. And we were like, cool, let's do this. I would lie to you if I said this is not the scariest thing we've ever done. Because we've always been in ministry. It's not like we've got this 401k over here waiting on us to just cash out on. Like, we've been trusting God. But you know what's so cool? When God tells you to do something and you say yes, he works out details. And the cool, I would be, it's been the coolest, the doors that have opened this summer, the opportunities we've had, the favor of God in our life, the, the people we've been able to reach that we would have never been able to reach. Like, God is showing up big time. It has been like, There's moments I wake up, like I wake up in the morning and I'm just overwhelmed with gratitude and I'm crying and feels like, are you okay? And I'm like, God is so good. And he's like, do you need coffee? 
I'm like, yeah, I do. I'm blown away by how good he is. But at the same time, we've experienced some attacks like I've never experienced in my life. Stuff that like I don't even know. And you're like, what's going on? Don't worry about it. The reality is this. It's real. It's real. But the Bible says, and y'all need to hear this, that we battle not against flesh and blood. There's an enemy behind the people that attack you. And sometimes those people that attack you are believers. Sometimes you're the believer that the enemy's using to attack other people, believe it or not. The enemy is out to destroy you. He's out to destroy your calling. He's out to destroy your family. He's out to destroy your children and your children's children. And he starts with messing with the family, messing with the marriage. You're like, man, I've always got along with my wife, but now I just want to punch her. She gets on my nerves. What's God up to? What is God up to that the enemy is getting involved? What's happening? Recently, just going through all this stuff, I felt the Lord the other morning just say, Sit still. Now, when I usually tell my kids to sit still, it's usually when I was doing their hair. Sit still. But sit still, you look it up, it means no movement or action on your part. What does scripture say? Be still, for the Lord will fight your battle. Sit still. That doesn't mean you hide. Y'all hear me? Doesn't mean you hide. That doesn't mean that you, you change the subject. That doesn't mean that you become a Facebook warrior. That means you recognize that the one that's in control is fighting the battles. All you and I are required to do is to praise him, worship him, and live for him. Well, look at what's happening in our world. He knows. You walk it out. You love God. You love people. You be true to who he is and what he's called you to do. He'll fight the battle. The Lord brought that to my memory the other day, and I just was like, God, you've got this. This attack is nothing. This attack is nothing. And I felt very strongly that you need to know the attack that's happening in your life or in somebody near to you's life, it's not that it is not real. It's not that it's not painful. It is the fact that the enemy wants to stop what God has planned for you, and it's up to you if you let him do it. It's that simple. There was a, there was a preacher... Um, he, he's a really cool guy. His name is Pastor Patrick Weaver. Um, he's with Exodus Project. And he wrote this thing, and it was floating around on social media back in like 2018, 2019. But I, I remembered this at about 3 o'clock in the morning on Friday. And I just, man, this is one of those ugly cry moments. Y'all have those? You know what ugly cry is? Gentlemen, you probably don't know what that is. It's when your face distorts. And you're like... And it's not pretty. It's like, oh, oh, go somewhere with that. <laughs> it was an ugly crying moment for me, and I was brought to this. I just want to share it with you. Your calling is going to crush you. If you're called to men brokenhearted, you're going to wrestle with brokenheartedness. If you're called to prophesy, you're going to struggle to control your mouth. If you're called to lay hands, you will battle spiritual viruses. If you're called to preach and to teach, you will be sifted for the wisdom that anoints your message. If you're called to empower, your self-esteem will be attacked. Your successes will be hard fought. Your calling will come with cups, thorns, and siftings that are necessary for your mantle to be authentic, humble, and powerful. Your crushing won't be easy because your assignment is not easy. Your oil is not cheap. Your oil is not cheap. Well, Amber, you can say that. You're in full-time ministry. Baby, if you're a follower of Jesus, so are you. Your oil is not cheap. You know, I think for so long, this world has had people by the name of Christian setting a standard. And I think it's time for Christ's followers to set the standard. I think it's time that we stop hiding behind religion. 
and we start walking in the truth of who God is, that truth that sets us free, the truth that we can acknowledge that six months ago, I'm not who I was then. Acknowledge that there's pain. Acknowledge that there's struggle. Acknowledge that there's things that try to stop and get in the way. But when we turn, the Bible says when we turn to God and we look to Him, the author and perfecter of our faith, we don't have to look to the left or the right. We don't have to go, wow, look at what they're doing. Wow, look at what's happening over here. When we look to Jesus, we don't have to worry. I didn't share this last service, but I thought about the story of Peter walking on water. Y'all, there were bunch of other jokers in the boat that never got out let's remember that everybody's like he took his eyes off Jesus I said they never even got in the water so we want to talk about them he got out there and he started doing the unnatural because the supernatural had called him out are you following me and as he began to walk what does the enemy do the same thing he does to you the same thing he does to me hey you can't do this that's not going to work you're too young you're too old you don't have experience. you got a past. And what did Peter do? He started looking around. And the Bible says he began to sink, and Jesus did not let him sink. And I want you to understand something. The God I grew up believing in was expecting me to sink. The true living God, if you're looking to him, he's not going to let you sink. Are you going to mess up? Yes. Do you have it all figured out? No. And if you do, your mama's going to stop lying to you. None of us are perfect, man. And we're walking this out, and there's a world, there's a generation coming up behind us. And I want to go ahead and say this. I can speak for Montgomery, okay? There's a move of God happening in this next generation. And I'm not just saying that, like, y'all, there's revival happening with these kids. There's worship nights breaking out everywhere. There's salvations happening everywhere. Kids are taking their Bibles to school, like nothing I've ever seen before. Don't play. You got to give them something. You got to give me the example that they want to follow. Right now, and I don't I hope this doesn't hurt your feelings. If it does, I'm going to sleep okay tonight. A lot of this upcoming generation could school you guys when, when it comes to a relationship with Jesus. You could school me. Because we get caught in a rhythm, right? We get caught in like a routine. But the reality is this, and it's this simple. We can look at the world and we can be really scared. We can look at circumstances and go, man, how is this happening? God, where are you? Why are you allowing this? In the words of Meemaw, look it up. He said it was going to happen. He said there would be tougher times than this. But he also said, I will, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. You and I get to decide if we want to be in the receiving side of that. God, use me. Because I can look, I can look in social media and I can get really scared about my kid's future. I've got a kid that's married for a year and one that's about to get married. And the other day I caught myself saying, I just hope they don't have kids. They don't need to bring kids into this world. And I got really convicted by that. Because what if the kids they bring in this world is exactly the thing this world needs? I gotta change my mindset. Because my God, your God, is able. He's able. I don't want you to walk out of here scared. What happens? What happens if your nose falls off your face, yo? Like we can live in a lot of the what ifs and the fears or we can stop and say, but what do you say, Lord? Who do you say that I am? What are you calling me to do? What mountains will you move on my behalf? What doors will you open that no man can shut? What things do I need to say yes to because you're willing and desire to use me? And then be bold and brave enough to trust God keeps his word. What if we walked out of here today, y'all, and we started living our lives according to the Word of God and not according to circumstances? That our prayer life was not out of fear off of what we see, but out of purpose of what we know. God, this is going on. What do you need me to do? How do I approach this? Where do you need me? Put me in, coach. I'm ready. I want what you want. There's going to come a day, friend. Every single one of us are going to stand before Jesus all by ourselves. 
You can't go, hey, hey, hey. Jesus, it's really nice to meet you. Glad to be here. Um, I have attended Lone Star Cowboy Church since the tent days. Can I get Pastor Randy? He can vouch for me. I go to digging deep. Get Pastor Rob. He can tell you I ask the best questions. I'm part of women's Bible study. I lead a table. Like, do you understand? None of that is going to matter, and there's not going to be anybody there to vouch for you or me when we stand before God. He's going to say, what did you do with the life that I gave you? No excuses. You don't get to say, snooze. Let me go do something. I'll hit you back up in 20. Let me make it count real quick. Make it count now. Make it count now. kids, this world, your co-workers, your family need Jesus. And if you have him, shame on you for not making sure everything you do in life is to share it. Like, look, don't get me wrong. God's not asking you to hide in a closet with your Bible and just spend all your time praying and reading your Bible until he comes back. No. If you're a rodeo cowboy, that's the tool God's given you to use for the kingdom of God. If you're a teacher, that's the tool God's given you to use for the kingdom of God. You play golf? There you go. We got your clap down. That's a tool God's given you. Whatever it is you do, I want you to understand, God cares about the things we care about. He cares about the things we enjoy. One of my best friends led a lady to Christ at Round Top. Talking about some dumb quilt. The lady's grandma made the quilt. The grandma was a believer. The lady wasn't a believer. I don't know what happened. She bought the quilt. The lady got saved and she got a discount. It was the craziest thing ever. I'm just telling you that you don't have to go, well, if I'm going to follow God, it's got to look a certain way. No, it looks the way the life that God gave you looks. Walk it out. You want to do more for God? Be faithful to what he's given you now. Man, I want to do this for God. Start here. I want to be a missionary in another country. Serve him in the country you're in. I want to bring all my friends to church. Bring your neighbors too. This isn't a turn or burn. But you got one shot. I get one shot. And there's nobody going to be there for you to point fingers at when it's your time with Jesus. Bow your heads with me, please. You're in here and you say, I've been to church or I've never been to church, whatever. But you know you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You believe in Jesus. That's great. So does the devil. You believe in him, but you don't have a relationship with him. You don't know him as your personal Lord and Savior. You are not walking with him. My friend, that is the most important decision you will make ever in your life. And if you're in here right now, do not leave this place without, not, without getting that right. If you don't know the Lord and you know you need him in your life, I would love more than anything to pray for you. If that's you, can you slip your hand up? If there's anybody in here that doesn't, doesn't have a relationship with Jesus, we would love to put a Bible in your hand. We'd love to pray with you. Cool. Then I'm going to assume that means everybody in here is a believer. Now I've got a question for all of us. No one looking around, examine your own heart. I just admitted I've dealt with a lot of fear and stuff here lately. In your walk with Christ currently, if you could say, you know what, I love Jesus, but you're right. I find myself getting caught up in the what ifs. I find myself being worried about the economy, worried about our government, worried about our children. I find myself worried, not aware, worried. There's something different there. I'm not talking about being blind and pretending like it's not happening. I'm talking about worried. I find myself stressed. I find myself arguing. I find myself, it's, it's taking over my peace. Even if it's just a little bit. And you know that it's time for you to go, God, I don't just believe in you. I don't just love you. I trust you to do exactly what your word says you will do. P.S., if you don't know what that is, we win in the end. We're on the winning team. If you know that that day when you stand before God, 
and you have to account for the life as a believer that you've lived. That maybe you need to step your game up a little bit. Maybe you need to focus a little bit more on not running to him when things don't work, but running to him all the time. Waking up in his presence, going to sleep in his presence, looking for opportunities everywhere you go, everywhere you are, to be the hands and feet of Jesus to people. I'm going to ask you right now, if any of that pertains to you, I just want to pray with you. Again, this may all be just about for me, and I'm just being honest and transparent with you. But if that's you, I'm going to ask that you raise your hand so I can pray with you. Anybody in here? Awesome. Can you stand to your feet with me? I want to pray for you. Lord Jesus, I thank you for every person here online, all in that are within the sound of my voice. God, I pray right now, first and foremost, that we become so aware of your spirit. Lord, that we would become people of discernment. Lord, that we would look. Where are you leading? How are you leading? What do we need to be aware of? How do we need to respond? How should we pray? Lord, give us a love and a craving for your word so that when things happen, we're not shocked. We saw this coming. You already told us this was happening. God, help us to be people of prayer. Help this to be a house of prayer, Lord, that your people, that your children would seek you first in everything. God, I pray that as we walk out of these doors and we walk into our lives, our places of work, our homes, that we would look for opportunities to show your love, to share your goodness, and to speak your truth. Thank you, Jesus, for your goodness, for your realness. Thank you, Lord, that every attack is because this oil is not cheap. Mm. Lord, I pray that every person would be reminded that even if they don't fully understand what you're doing in their life, that they would be overwhelmed, that you've got more and it's greater than anything they could imagine. Help us to be people that have tenacity and a little grit, that we pursue life with purpose, on purpose, for purpose. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for meeting us where we're at and thank you for not leaving us there. You're good and you're faithful and your precious name. Listen, we've got people up here that want to pray with you. But I want you to know something. You're about to leave here. And if the enemy hasn't messed with you, he will. Get ready. Show him what's up. Get out there. Use discernment. Show the world Jesus loves them. And then come back to us next week. We love you. Have a wonderful week.